You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. wondering what's with the old oil lamp well there's kind of a story with that and and uh, somehow I got oil on my hands so all I smell is this old oil I don't even know how old it is like but uh, there's there's kind of a, a history to this lamp <laughs> for those who uh, helped move in an elder a few weeks ago they they, they understand exactly so where, where the lamp came from. But tonight I just want to share with you just something that, that God kind of laid on my heart. And, and it, all, it all stemmed from just this lamp. It was, it was sitting on my desk waiting to go to a new home. And I was, uh, one, one afternoon I was just staring at it. And I was just like, what am I going to do with this? Like it's, it looks so old. And... Um, and all of a sudden, God just began to speak to me, and, and I just, it, uh, I just had to bring this tonight, and it's just, uh, if anything, it just to be a reminder of something tonight. And so, if you could just uh, turn to Exodus chapter 30, just verses uh, 1 to 8, and hopefully this, this all makes sense, I hope, like, because sometimes what you kind of put together in your mind and then put it on paper and then voice it sometimes it doesn't always quite make sense and maybe maybe that's just me but and so uh, starting with chapter 30 verse 1 and it says and thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon it of shittim wood thou shalt make it a cubit shall be the length thereof and a cubit the bread thereof four square shall it be and two cubits shall be the height thereof the horns thereof shall be of the same and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides there round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make it unto a crown of gold round about. And so what, uh, basically it's just, like in the previous verse, like some people probably wonder what is a cubit? Like there's still some people who are still stuck on the, the metric and the imperial, like, like inches and feet and centimeters and stuff. So a cubit is just basically... It's about one and a half feet. So they, they would kind of measure it from uh, like the tip of your thumb to where your elbow would be. It's kind of a rough, an approximate measurement, but that's, that's what the measurements are. And it's just giving you a measurement of uh, the incense altar. And, and so picking up in verse 4, it says, And two golden rings shall thou make it under the crown of it by the... Two corners thereof upon the two sides of it thou shalt make it, and thou shalt, and thou shalt be for places for the staves to bear it to withal. So basically these golden rings are in place so that it has a means of picking up and carrying it. Because it was part of the furniture of the tabernacle that it was considered to be sacred and holy, and it wasn't something you could just go up and just touch with your hands. Like it had to be carried in a very specific manner. And thou shalt put it under before the veil, that is, by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat, and it is over the testimony where I will meet with thee. 
And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps. He shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it. And it be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. And so perpetual just basically means that it, it never ends. So, there's, so every morning and every evening, the priest, uh, Aaron, for example, would have to go in and he would have to pour incense and oils upon the coals of, of the in, altar of incense and, and he would burn oil and a fragrance would be released. Now, I know, I know with this lamp, like it, if I was to light it, it probably wouldn't be a sweet fragrance. Like it, I lit it outside and it was just smoking and just like, I don't know how old the oil is, but so we just, so I told David, I said, I don't think I dare light it in the church because I don't want to go down in the history. It was like, oh, that's the guy that burnt the church down. So, so I'm not going to light it tonight. So just, so just, uh, everyone's just like, whew, big sigh of relief. So the altar of incense, so, and I forgot to mention that the, what I want to share with you tonight is just this thought of keep the oil burning. And so just, so just, uh, just for a moment, just visualize this lamp and the oil that's inside it and what it, what it represents, that it's something that is to be burning all the time. Just it doesn't stop. Hallelujah. And so the altar of incense was made from wood covered with gold with four horns on its four corners. It had a crown of gold in the center of it, and it stood in front of the veil in the holy place. And twice a day, oils of incense were burned on this altar. And then once a year during the Day of Atonement, blood from the brazen altar, or the altar of sacrifice, was poured onto the horns of this altar, just before the priest would prepare himself to enter behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. So uh, in Exodus chapter 30, verse 10, it says, And Aaron shall make atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. And so Aaron, uh, he would go in just before he would go into the holiest of holies. He would s- sprinkle blood on each of the horns. And you're probably wondering, well, what's this, what's this got to do with us today? And uh, it was something, like the Day of Atonement was once a year that it was, um, was kind of like a ceremony that was performed. And it was considered most holy unto the Lord. And it, it all just symbolizes Christ. The Atonement is very similar to, to Christ dying on the cross for our sins. That if Christ had not interceded for us as our high priest, and if Jesus had not shed his blood on Calvary for us, then it would not be possible for, for Aaron to even step beyond the veil. Like if he didn't apply the blood before he could enter in, um, he most likely would have been struck dead or whatever because the Bible was very specific. Like if he didn't follow the instructions perfectly, that there would be consequences with it. And, and so tonight, like what I want to share about with the altar of incense is just what it really symbolizes. And so that it that the, the altar of incense that was lit in the morning and night, it just symbolizes prayer and how important prayer is. And that the altar of, of uh, incense typifies Christ as our intercessor. And the offering of 
incense symbolizes prayer. So Romans 8.34 states that God makes intercession for us through Christ's burial and resurrection. Hebrews 7.25 says that Christ ever liveth to make intercession for them, meaning humanity. And so when it, when it comes to the church, that the incense being offered up and burned with oil symbolizes the prayers of the saints. So it's so important, church, that we continue we continue to pray. We continue, we continue to keep the oil that is burning within us. It's, it's so important to keep our, the, the incense being offered up because it symbolizes, it symbolizes our prayer, and we can't stop praying. The incense being burned up symbolizes the prayer of the saints. And Luke 1 10 says, Here God confirmed with Zacharias, his prayers were heard, and God was about to answer his prayer. And um, so sometimes we think that we've been praying for something, and it seems like, man, God's not, he's not answering, he's not, it just seems like he's not even listening. And it's very easy to get discouraged, right? Like just think, okay, I'm just going to give up. But God wants us to continually keep praying, keep praying. Keep praying until you see results. So don't stop praying, church. Your prayers are so important and they're so vital. In uh, Revelation 5.8, it says, The 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having with them harps and golden vials full of odors, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So just envision there's these elders bowing down before the throne of God, and they have with them these these golden jars that are filled with, with fragrances, which symbolizes as the prayers of the saints, as the prayers of this church, it's the prayers that everyone has offered up that continually, God, I just continue to keep praying and seeking your face. And God is storing up. He's storing up. He's storing up every prayer we say. The Bible says that he stores up every tear that we shed. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing think about it, that God stores up every tear that we shed. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be like a crybaby. And I'm just, and it's just like, wow, God, like you, you save up every little tear that I shed because he loves us so much. And it's so important for us to continue to keep praying. We can't, we can't back down. We can't back off the church, the saints, that we stand between God and the sinner Offering prayers and making intercession before God. And if it wasn't for the prayers of the saints, nothing would hinder Satan from completely dominating the earth. So you want to stop the enemy in his tracks? Start praying. Keep praying. Intercede. Intercede until you see results. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't say, well, I've been praying for so long and nothing's happening. It's not working. I'll try something else. But no, if you stop, you stop praying. What will happen is the enemy, he will command even greater. And he will take dominion already over what he already thinks he has. But it's your prayers that will hinder him. Your prayers will stop him in his tracks and church we must we must it's imperative that we must keep interceding we must keep praying we must keep our lamp burning we must keep pouring fresh oil we must keep allowing our incense our prayers to ascend into heaven we can't stop this isn't the time to stop 
We must keep praying. We must keep seeking God like never before. This isn't the time to say, well, I'm going to just take a time out. I'm just going to take a break. No, no, this isn't the time to stop. We have to push even further because the enemy, he's coming and he's coming like a thief and he's coming to do nothing more than to destroy, to kill, destroy and take away everything that we have. But God is saying, just keep reaching out to me. Keep reaching out to me. Keep praying. Keep seeking my face. Keep seeking my face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you get anything from this service tonight, it's that I must, I must. It's imperative. I must have my oil. It's full, my vessel full of oil. And then it'll be burning. And then my oil will be burning. We can't let, we can't let the oil to go out. We can't let the fire to distinguish. We must, we must keep the fire burning. If Aaron and the priest had to just decided one day, you know what? I, I, I lit the altar of incense today, this morning, and tonight I'm just, I'm just going to kind of let the coals kind of go out, and I'll just pour a little bit of oil. I already, already lit it once this morning. Like, why do I have to do this twice a day, every day? And it's important that we continue. Because what happens is, is it becomes that our prayers become more of just a repetition and it's just done in vain. And we let the coals go out, the fire distinguish. There's no more, there's no more incense that's being offered up before God. We must, we must, we must keep that fire burning and we must have fresh oil. I can guarantee you the oil in this lamp is old. It'll still burn, but it won't burn the way that God wants it to. And it's the same with us if we rely on just a touch from God that was like in the past. It's not enough. It's not enough. Like, yes, okay, we're, we're following what God wants and we're Christians and we're saved. But it's not to what the point that God wants us to be. That he wants us to be lit. He wants us to be on fire. Hallelujah. And this message, if anything, is for me. It's for me to remind me that, James, you need to keep that fire burning within you. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the oil become stagnant, that it won't burn. And if you have to, God, even, even trim the wick a little bit, God, if there's some things in my life that you need to remove, it's okay, God, just to cut it away. Cut away the things that will hinder what you want to do in my life, whatever you want to do in my family. Oh, I must, I must have that fire burning within me. The church must have that fire burning within them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If Aaron had allowed the fire to go out on the altar of incense, there would be no cloud rising, symbolizing our prayers. Hallelujah. James 5, 16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I kind of paraphrase it to this King James Version, 
and I put it that the red hot prayer of a righteous person availeth much because that's what it is it's that red hot prayer it's, it's where we take fresh coals from the altar and we're placing it in and we're God okay I'm gonna pour in fresh oil I'm gonna pour in fresh incense oh God I'm gonna let there be a sweet fragrance that offers up to you I'm gonna keep praying God and I'm gonna seek your face like never before I'm not gonna stop I'm not gonna give up I'm gonna press through I'm gonna press through and continue to reach out. Church, we must keep praying. We can't just half-heartedly pray. And we must keep that fire burning. We can't let that fire go out. The altar of incense was to burn continually for men to ought always to pray and not faint. As found in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And I know some people say, well, you know, we have to work, we have to do this. But it's that, um, I'll just even throw this in, that uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, Paul exhorted, like he stressed how important it is to pray without ceasing. Pray and not stop. So I know some people are like, well, how is it possible? I have to work, I have to... But it's just having a conscious awareness of God, even as we're going about our daily duties. You know, that God, we consciously are aware of your presence. And we're consciously aware, oh God, of our surroundings. We're consciously aware, God, of what you desire to do through our church and through our city. And God, that I must, I must keep that that fire burning within me. I can't let the fire go out. It's not the time for us to turn on cruise control, take a spiritual time out, but this city, this city needs a church that will be willing to stand in the gap and say, I will intercede. I would continue to pray. I would continue to reach out to those around me. Hallelujah. This city needs a church that is on fire, that has the fire burning. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm not going to wait for some other church to get on fire. I want it to be us. I want it, I want it to be this church. This church is the lighthouse. This church is the lamp that is burning bright, that there's a fresh oil of anointing that is flowing, that someone can walk through the doors and feel maybe for the very first time the love of God and the presence of God like never before. That there be something happening here that is not happening anywhere else. That if the move of God is to happen in our city, then I want it to happen here. Hallelujah. I want it to happen in my life. I want it to happen in my family. I don't know about you, but I, I want my family to be so on fire for God. What God is saying to James tonight is, James, as a spiritual leader of your home, and you, you need to continually to pour some, maybe some fresh oil daily, every day, every morning, every night. Because prayer is very powerful. 
Amen. Prayer is so powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the fire goes out, the people will perish. It's just simple as that. We allow the fire to go out. The people we're trying to reach will perish. You want to see changes in our city, in your communities, the lives that are broken by sin, then you must keep praying. You must keep seeking the throne room of God. <sighs> Hallelujah. Back uh, late in the spring, I had the opportunity to attend Canada Conference. And all through the conference, there's just a phrase that God just kept illuminating into my spirit. And it's an apostolic invasion of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that's what our city needs. We need an apostolic invasion of the Holy Ghost like never before. We can't rely on what was took place 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, that the fire must fall from heaven like never before. But it won't happen unless we continue to pray and intercede for the people of this city, for our families, our loved ones. So it's, it's important we don't let the fire in us to go out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we could turn to just Matthew chapter 25, just beginning with verses 1 through 13. And it's just a, it's the parable of the, the ten virgins. And it says then, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, who, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise. Say five were wise. Five were wise. And five were not so wise. I know I don't like to use the word foolish, but just they weren't as wise. How about that? Just and they that were not as wise, or oh, sorry, they that were uh, they that were unwise took their lamps and took no oil with them. I get it all mixed up trying to paraphrase here, but so so there's five that took extra oil, and then there's five that just relied on what oil was in their lamp. So just think about that for a moment. There were, the wise took extra oil, and the unwise took just whatever they had left in their lamp. While the bridegroom tarried, that means just waited. How many like to wait? Oh, everybody, I can see the hands up. Wow, look at the hands up. Everyone loves to wait. Wow, yes, isn't it so fun to wait? Oh, yes. Oh, it's so much fun. Especially for kids, they're like, ah, oh, man, why do I have to wait? And so while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, and behold, the bridegroom cometh. And go ye out to meet him. And those... And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So we'll come back to that. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps have gone out. Well, surprise, surprise. Like, you think they would have saw that coming, that there's not enough oil here to burn all night. 
But the wise answer saying, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell and see if you can buy some for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. So you probably wonder, what does this have to do with the altar of incense? And it just what I was focusing on is just what it, like this parable has to do with the second coming of Christ. That as they were waiting, which is what we are doing, we're actually waiting for the second coming of Christ. Just do people still anticipate his second coming? I think a lot of us, after a while, we just kind of just, get into the mundane of life, and, oh, yeah, he is coming back. That's right. He is coming back. That's right. We're just passing through. And uh, so in this, in this parable, Jesus is telling us a story. And so it's about a, a party of virgins. Perhaps uh, another way of looking at it was they were bridesmaids or uh, torchbearers. I'll be real careful. So they're just torchbearers. And what their purpose was is they would light their torch and they would just stand there and they would wait until the groom showed up and they would kind of light the pathway or the direction. It's kind of like a procession for the wedding. And so uh, because it happened at night without their lamps being lit and burning bright, there would really be no uh, procession. And so each of these bridesmaids are carrying these lamps and torch. And it probably could have been something similar to this. And, uh, and they were waiting for the bridegroom. And they had expected him to arrive sometime in the night. So five of them were wise and brought extra oil. While the other five were not as wise and didn't have enough oil. And eventually their lamps went out. The flame extinguished. Oh. So when they came time for the wedding procession, five were forced to go out and look for some oil for the lamps, and ultimately the door was shut, and they missed out on the wedding celebration. So this parable is symbolizing the second coming of Christ, but also also, it's a reminder for each and every one of us. It's a reminder for the church and the saints that we are, we are the torchbearers. We are the torchbearers of our city. We are the torchbearers for those whose lives are broken by sin. We are the torchbearers for those who are lost right now. And so there's people who are relying on a church that would be lit. They're relying on a church that would be on fire. There'd be fresh oil that is burning. And tonight, is there a church at Mission Point Church that is, their oil is burning. Their oil is burning and their, their lamps are lit. Maybe the wick has been trimmed back, but they're on fire. Is there a church tonight? Is Mission Point on fire tonight? Hallelujah. How's your lamp tonight? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, if, you, if you're running low on oil, there is fresh oil tonight. Hallelujah. There is fresh oil for all. Hallelujah. There's an abundant supply. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's fresh oil tonight. Psalm 92 verse 10 says, declares I shall be anointed with fresh oil. How many want to be anointed with fresh oil tonight? I know I do. I don't want to rely on oil from yesterday or the day before or last week. But God, God, I need a fresh touch tonight. How many would stand right now and say, I need a fresh touch tonight, God. God, I need a fresh touch from you right now, Lord. I know it's Wednesday night and it's supposed to be calm and mellow. I don't know why, but God, it's just burning within me that we must, we must have fresh oil. We must be burning bright. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, oh God. Hallelujah. Shut up, Hallelujah. 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 How many are familiar with a, a lamp uptown? It's called the Three Sisters. There's a few. So it's just a replica of the original one that was erected in the 1800s. And I never really thought about this until I just recently, and when I say recently, it was probably like three months ago. We were walking by it, and I stopped to read the plaque and I was like wow this this is amazing and yet it so much fits with tonight because back in the 1800s there was three red lanterns that were erected on a pole that stood oh, I'm trying to remember I think from the shoreline it was like 30 feet in the air something like that and every day Every day, someone would have to fill those three lamps with oil. And you're wondering why. Those lamps were used by the merchants and the ships that were coming in to the harbor as a lighthouse and a source of light to guide their pathway. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And so every day... It was someone's job to fill those lanterns with oil and keep them burning. And it is said that ships coming into the Bay of Fundy as they were headed to St. John, and I mean, we're talking back 1800s, okay? So there was no GPS back then. Um, you know, even their compasses were very primitive. And they say that they could see that light, those lamps, lit five miles offshore. Like, think about it. So you go up to Harbor Passage and look straight across the Bay of Funday and just imagine that there's a lamp lit 
that can be seen five miles away. And so as the captains of these ships would navigate the entrance into the harbor, they would kind of line up their, the bow or the, the pointed part of the ship. And as long as I could see distinctively the three lanterns perfectly, it meant that they were in perfect alignment to come into the harbor. But if they could only see one or two, it meant that they would have to adjust the steering, like whether go more to the left, go more to the right. And as soon as I see the three lanterns perfectly lit and burning bright, it meant that we were going to line up perfectly and have a safe passage into the harbor. You're wondering, what does that have to do with us tonight? Well, it's just the same thing, that the church is like that lantern. You know, now it's just a, it's more like just a monument of what was once there. But that's what the church is. The church is a lighthouse to a lost world, just outside these doors. Hallelujah. And so the church, we must, it's imperative that we must keep fresh oil of anointing within our lamps. And we must, we must keep the, the lantern lit tonight. And if, if we have to, maybe we may have to trim off some of the wick. Like, I know you can't see this. But there's the very end of it that's been burned. Sometimes it has to be kind of trimmed off in order to keep the lamp burning so that it's burning at its best optimum. So it's not just half burning, but it's burning the whole width of the wick. And sometimes that's like you and I, that sometimes there's things that become attached to us that we don't really need. And God is saying that sometimes we just need to trim those things off because it's not going to help your lamp to burn bright. And so tonight, I just felt to share with the church that we need, we need to be burning bright. We need our lantern to be burning bright. We need fresh oil. Hallelujah. Psalms 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We all need something to guide us, or we can very easily go the wrong way. And um, this past week, uh, David and I, we were, while we were visiting Niagara Falls, we, we went on this roller coaster ride. And the ride starts like you've got to walk into this cave. And it's like pitch black. And so we're walking along and all of a sudden it, the pathway kind of drops down this way and there's no lights on and I trip and stumble and I almost knock them over. And I was like, man, they should have lights turned on in here. You can't see anything. It's pitch black. And then finally we pull up to where where you get on the ride or whatever. And then we noticed a little later on in the day, we went back for another ride because we didn't scare ourselves enough the first time. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's all lit up. Like, this is, this is not fair. Like, we tripped and stumbled, and now there's, others don't get to share the same experience as we did. And, but there's something about having a light that we can see each step. And, you know, it also means in the spiritual sense, too, that without a source of light... It's very easy for us not only to stumble, but it's easy for us to get off track, to get off the pathway. How many have ever been out in the woods? And I know there's a couple here that have been in the woods, like 
it's so easy, like, if you get off to the beaten path, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, like, like I'm fighting through to get through the twigs, and, and it's just like it's slowing us down. Well, it's the same way in this spiritual realm. That if we don't continue to allow his word and permeate our heart and light up our lamp and allow his word to light up our pathway, we can very easily get off track. Amen. You know, God has promised a great, a great revival. How many believe that? Like, it's been prophesied that there's going to be such a great outpouring of his Holy Spirit like never before. And we know when we read the book of Acts, there's just such an amazing outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But you know, that wasn't just for 2,000 years ago, that even now there's still... There's even greater oil that is being poured out. <laughs> I read the scripture and revelation of these, these jars that are holding and containing the prayers of the saints. And God is just about to, to release and pour back the answer to those prayers. And part of those prayers is God. God, would you... Would you save my loved ones? Would you save, oh God, bringing salvation to the lost and dying world around us? And even myself, I've been praying. I've been praying for people uptown whose lives, whose lives are, are just broken by sin. People that nobody would even want to bother with. And I'm, we're praying for them. We're praying for them right on the street. It doesn't matter who's walking by. It doesn't matter. What matters is that, that these people know that there's someone who loves them. That there's a place that they can go to to seek refuge. That they can look and up on the hill. Up on the hill of Mark Drive, there's, there's a light. There's an illumination like I've never seen before. And it's the glory of God that's illuminating from his church and from his, his people, from his saints, that the church is on fire, that the oil is burning, and it's burning bright with such intensity that it can be seen for miles away. Hallelujah. Is that how you is that how you portray? Is that how you see? Is that how you see mission point tonight? That we are so on fire, that our lamps are so burning, so bright, that the, the even the glass, the glass shield cannot contain the flame, that it's ready to burst out wide. Because I can promise you that God has promised that he will pour out his spirit like never before. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. Not me, but God says this. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That means everyone has the opportunity to experience salvation. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life or if you've never been in church at all. That God has promised that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Hallelujah. 
So anyone who thinks that they're old, that God is still using you, that you're going to see dreams, you're going to see things that God is showing you, things that are going to come to pass. Hallelujah. And our young men, they shall see visions. They shall see visions. Why is this so important? Because without a vision, the people will perish. If there's no direct uh, direction from God, we can all easily steer astray. So it's important to God. He just threw that in that, that your young men shall see visions. That we will begin to tap into the spiritual realm. Like never before. I remember when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I had an experience that changed my life forever. Hallelujah. And I know everyone else in here that's been filled with the Spirit would probably say the same thing. That that moment that it happened, there's something that transpired in my life that it just changed my life forever. And I remember the night I was sitting in Pentecostal church, and I was just so emotionally messed up. And I know most of you probably think, I think he still is emotionally messed up. That's okay. That's just your opinion, right? And I just, I felt so defeated. I felt so discouraged. I felt like I had made such a failure in my life. I messed up so bad. And then God, like, you won't, you don't even want anything to do with me anymore. I don't even know if you love me anymore. And then in a moment, in a moment, it happened so fast, I, I can't even tell you that it, just, it was just instant. And I felt God say, stand up and receive what you're looking for. And all I wanted was just the emotional turmoil, all this stuff I was carrying around on my shoulders. I, just, I was tired of it. I was tired of the depression. I was, I was just tired of things in my life, the emotional turmoil. I was like, God, I just want this all to go away. I just want, I just want like one night of peace. I just want to be able to lay my head down on a pillow tonight and not have to cry myself to sleep. I'm talking about emotional turmoil. And I felt like there was no hope for me. My moment of hope is long gone. That God, he had ripped me off long ago. And that is just a very bitter lie from the enemy. He's so good at lying. He's so good. He's so good at deceitfulness. And we can't fall trapped to that. And so this night, this particular night, I just stood up and I lifted my hands. And instantly, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I began to just scream in tongues. And just instantly, all that stuff just lifted off of me. And you know, I felt so free. It was like, this is the part that gets all weird. I probably had you right up until this moment, and this is where they're like, okay, yeah, okay. Pause for a commercial break. That it was like I was on the roof of the church, and I was walking back and forth on the roof of the church. I had my hands still raised, and I looked down, and I could see myself with my hands raised, worshiping God, speaking in a heavenly language. And that moment, I felt so free. I felt freedom like I have never felt before. And that was over 20 years ago. And you know what? Even tonight, even this moment, I still feel that same freedom. Hallelujah. 
Because the Bible says, He who the Son, the big S-O-N, has set free, you are free. Indeed, I can tell you that I, I felt so free, and even tonight, I, I still feel that same freedom. Yes, I experienced circumstances of life. Yes, I have hardships. Yes, things happen. It's called life. But I can tell you, I still have that freedom. Hallelujah. Do you have that freedom tonight in your spirit? Because <laughs> if you don't, you can. Because <laughs> all you need is a little bit of fresh oil tonight. Hallelujah. How many want some fresh oil tonight? Let's say, you know what, James? I'm going to stand up tonight. I'm going to stand up right now. This is your invitation right now. Every one of you just need to stand up and say, God, God, if there's something stagnant in my life, I need some fresh oil. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.